Today I'm joined on the show by James Thompson. James is an iOS indie developer who he almost needs no introduction. He's developed applications for Apple platforms since 1992, and he's best known, I think, these days for being the developer of PCALC, the scientific calculator that's over on iOS and Mac. James, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm always happy to talk about myself. Brilliant. Uh, not saying I've got a massive ego or anything, but <laughs> how did you how did you start, James? How did you did you get into development overall? I mean, uh, I was well. I'm old enough that I was one of the people who was in with the sort of first wave of home computers uh, in the UK, and I, I had a Commodore sixty four in the sort of early eighties, and my school got a BBC Model B. Uh, computer which was i believe the first computer in a school in scotland uh and so from that age i was kind of i was always interested in the programming side of it but i was i will admit not particularly good at it um i'd always want to be writing games on my commodore 64 but uh not really willing to learn assembly language or anything like that so i was just sort of poking around at things in basic um and it was really i think when i got to university in 1990 uh and i did a computing science course because i wanted to sort of get the proper training in how to actually program and uh that was really the start of it awesome so i'm going to fast forwards over to to 92 with your company TLA and has it always been around Apple development that you've been developing? Is that how things started sort of way back when? Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, the, uh, course that I was on used Macs. Uh, so all the labs were just Macs and this was my first real experience of Macintosh. I'd had, you know, Commodores and sort of, uh, Ataris and things like that. And I knew about the Mac, but it was always kind of this expensive thing for desktop publishing or whatever in my head. And once I actually started using the Macs, I realized how much I liked the the way it worked in terms of user interface and things. And I wanted to learn how to program it. And as part of our course, you know, we were using like Think Pascal and things like that back then. And we had like a full copy of Think Pascal that had like all the Mac headers and libraries and stuff included with it. And I just sort of started poking at it. Uh, and it's like, oh, I wonder if I could make an application. And uh, the first application that I made was indeed Peacock. Wow. Okay. So all the way back then, that was um, your first app for TLA was Peacock. Yeah. Yeah, and and TLA systems, I've told this a number of times, so I apologize to any listeners who have heard it before, but um, TLA systems then was a company that I made up with two friends so that we could get into Apple trade shows that wouldn't allow students in. So we pretended to have a company and called it TLA systems. And I kept (laughs) on using the name after that point. And when it became time later uh, down the line in 97 to actually set up a proper limited company in the UK, um, that's the name that I went with, with the, the blessing of my other two co-founders who are not part of the company. Brilliant. And uh, so 
you know that that's where the name tla systems came from and it was it was like we tried to come up with the most generic made up business name and so tla is three letter acronym yeah and uh it just stuck uh like many of the names of products and things that i don't give much thought to and then i'm stuck with for you know a quarter of a century brilliant i mean it can go like that i i think i i named my my company robo heads with a z for my own app mm-hmm. and it's not a name i i necessarily really love um but it's stuck you know you sort of roll with something and then it's like it's there okay that's fine yeah and with a lot of these things and you know it's like um brand names and things like uh you know uh imac sounds a bit silly uh when you actually think about it but uh, the name just is now imac and that's uh, you know it's become its own word yeah uh so any any brand that you repeat uh frequently enough people will just sort of will just sort of bury its way into their brain what did um app development kind of look like back then i'm thinking kind of specifically how did you sell the software well back then i didn't sell the software um i made pcalc um and gave it away for free and i put in the documentation for both pcalc and then later on drag thing which was my app launcher um, I put in the documentation that I wanted to work for Apple and, you know, so people should email me kind of thing. Uh, and the reason that I wrote both of the apps was really as a kind of calling card to kind of demonstrate what it was that I could do uh, so that in the hope that people, and I didn't really think I would get a job at Apple, but so that people would, uh, you know, look at it and go, oh, yes, we can see what this person can do here, have a job. Yeah. Um, and did that happen? Did you take on work? So uh, when I was at university, I was uh, what we called uh, a student rep, which was basically I was a representative of the class that went and negotiated with the powers that be about things. Uh, so I was basically uh, a pain in the behind to uh, the admin staff because I would be saying, you know, you're not running these servers correctly. Why haven't you updated this software? You know, all, all this sort of thing. Because, you know, you're like 19 or whatever it is and you're an idiot. And uh, I actually applied for a job and got round to the second interview for a job for Tetra Pak, who are the people who make uh, like milk cartons. Yeah. And oddly, they ran their entire factory floor on Max. Oh, wow. So like everything i don't imagine that they do nowadays and so they were one of the people who were local who were looking for uh mac programs and i applied and i got through to the second round and then they discovered that they didn't actually have any money to employ anyone because they had had some massive uh, loss or something and uh so i wasn't getting a job and a friend of mine who was like a week ahead of me in the process uh had been offered a job and then got a payout because he wasn't getting it. And I did not get the payout. And I'm still bitter to this day. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Tetra Pak, you owe me a thousand quid. Uh, but anyway, the uh, I was complaining about this to the head of the systems team uh, at the university in the computing science department, who knew me from, like, all my complaining. And he said, well, why don't you just work here? And so... <laughs> 
I became the person who was in charge of the Mac servers and all that, who had young 19-year-old whoever's complaining at him that he wasn't running it properly. Brilliant. Uh, and that, that, that was a, a sort of fitting punishment for my years of, of being annoying. Um, that sounds um, a little bit like the phrase uh, poacher turned gamekeeper you know sort of on the other side of the fence yeah i mean very much it it was because like part of my job was tracking down all the little like illicit software servers that were springing up around the department <laughs> you know with pirate software on them and things not that i did anything like that when i was an undergraduate of course no no um and and yeah so i mean it it, it was a really good job um and uh i basically after i left that i kept up with my my boss and we had lunch every month until uh last year when he retired so you know and that was uh, quite a while ago and i still went to the the um christmas dinners um some 20 something years later uh but after that i did indeed get an email from somebody at apple saying would you like to come and work here uh so i i i packed in the the uh academic uh life I, I did actually, I did ne very nearly do a PhD uh, in functional programming uh, and then like right at the last minute decided that I wanted to get out and actually do something uh, like useful. Um, sorry to the functional programmers. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I went to Apple uh, in Cork in Ireland uh, and I worked there for four years. Uh, and. Uh, it was uh, a stressful experience in many ways, but it also, you know, taught me how to be a good or at least a better programmer and, you know, work in teams and use various new technologies and like learn C, C, C++ there and things like that. So, you know, it, it was a it was a good job. But after I left, um, I came back to glasgow and started up a company properly i mean the company existed but you know it was officially our our business uh from 2000 and uh i've been independent ever since it's brilliant that sounds like a, a bit of a baptism of fire over in apple but you've you came out on the other side sort of ready to go it was definitely an exciting apple at the time because like i had joined just as Apple had lost a billion dollars in the previous year yeah. and I hadn't realized any of this. And so I sort of walked into this company that was on fire. And, uh, you know, so I went through the whole, you know, uh, Steve Jobs coming back and the next people taking over and then the sort of Mac OS X and, and all that. So it was like probably four of the most interesting years in Apple's existence in terms of just all the stuff that happened but as a side effect of it there was a lot of layoffs and like the teams that i was with got smaller and smaller until we could all fit around one table um and yeah it, that part and also the the parts of cupertino on the other side of the planet yeah that were um and, and, and that that was before um you know the level of connectivity and everything we've got now as well so i imagine that was was probably a another strain on that in some ways yeah i mean like you would typically um there would be there's like video conference rooms that were very rarely used uh, but they were mainly audio conferences and it's not 
yeah, not not like it is today. Um, but you know, think I I gather Apple is an even more stressful place to work <laughs> these days. So who knows? Yeah. Ah, oh, so you you came back home and back home to Glasgow, and the company was was up and running, sort of. Um, properly, as, as you put it, like it's sort of a proper proper company now, and you were um, putting out independent software and selling it. Yeah, and this is—I uh, I mean, this is two thousand, so I imagine you were still sort of selling online at that point. Is, is that probably about right? We started selling, like actual selling, selling in ninety-seven uh, through Kagi, who were uh, sort of. Uh, basically payment processor company in the States who uh, a lot of shareware authors used at the time, uh, uh, who shut down um, rather unexpectedly a few years ago, uh, taking a lot of money from people in the process. But um, we did uh, we did actually get a check with uh, some of the settlement from that uh, only last month. <laughs> anyway, um the so you know we used kagi for a long time and and they were very good for for all of those years until they closed um and yeah it, it it was a very different time then because um the pricing of software because it was a much smaller market and it was much more of an enthusiast market than a sort of broad consumer thing um the prices tended to be higher uh on things so you know we i was charging 29 dollars for a drag thing and peacock was 19 dollars then and nobody batted an eyelid at those kind of prices uh and it was only you know whatever it is eight or nine years later when the app store appeared that uh people started to question the prices um but at the time also uh, things were expanding out like with the when the iphone appeared that it was just such a much larger market than the mac had been because the mac still was quite small then so as, as as you sort of entered into the the early app store um you kind of found i guess that that prices needed to shift and you needed to probably shift some of how you did things um around that world i guess sort of thinking it through yeah I mean, like there was when the App Store opened, you know, there was no sort of guidance from Apple on pricing. So everybody who had an app on day one of the App Store had basically just picked a number. Uh, and there was some sort of back backroom discussions with other developers like, oh, I'm going to do this. You know, what are you doing? Sort of thing. And, you know, most people thought... uh Nine ninety nine seems like a good price. You know, it's lower than what we would like, but you know, we'll we'll go for that because it's a, a more of a mass market. So a lot of early software, particularly things that were sort of relatively uh, big and weren't just like flashlight apps or whatever, um, they would be like nine ninety nine, or a game would be nine ninety nine. And yeah, over the next ten years, the the there was a lot of pressure on pricing like that. Uh, down to uh, like people saying why isn't it free which is pretty much where we are now yep um but i did keep the price of uh peacock at 9.99 because i'm quite stubborn and <laughs> because i think it is worth the money um 
and that has actually done pretty well for us i think because it um i think gives peacock a sort of premium uh brand uh than it would because we we tried experimenting with pricing and like i dropped it down to 499 for a while and sales initially went up you know more than twice so it was good and then they eventually settled back down at the same rate of sales that we were having when it was 9.99 so it's like well okay let's put it back up to 9.99 and sales kept steady at 9.99 so it's like well that seems to be a more sensible price to put it at yeah so all you were doing really was sort of creating that that buzz and interest by dropping the price but then that had a tail on it yeah and i think the you know the people who uh uh know that they need peacock or something like it are generally quite happy to pay the price i mean the thing is i haven't charged for any updates since day one of the app store which was quite a while ago yeah. so you know i think people have got their money's worth so um, certainly sounded like a good deal to me <laughs> yeah uh and currently i have no plans to i should say uh but it, it's a uh, pricing i think is very difficult especially if you're an app uh that might not have the recognition that Peacock might have or or because Peacock had existed and as I said it was free for a long time. So uh it was quite well known on the Mac and it got bundled with the Mac for a while. So when I said I had a, an iPhone version, you know uh I could tell those people who knew about Peacock on the Mac and uh I had something of an audience for it. But I think if you were starting out from scratch, especially today, it's it's a lot harder. Yeah, for sure. Um, that it, it's uh, it's interesting. You sort of taking that um, that that base that you had over in the Mac, and it gave you a very good kind of runway straight into the early App Store for iOS. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think it's brilliant. You've been able to maintain this, you know, throughout. And like you said, you've been um, an independent developer since was it around about 2000 i mean that's that's 20 years is a very good innings to sort of be be independent all that time yeah i mean i think part of it is stubbornness on my part um also i i found it a lot easier to work for myself than to work for a company and to have somebody else telling me what features should be in the software and things like that um and you know so it being independent uh, gives you a certain degree of freedom because you know you can. I can essentially make my own hours. Yeah. Um. So you know, like if, for example, a PS5 comes out and I was lucky enough to get one, then uh, it's I can take the day off and sit and play uh, Spider-Man on my PS5. Um. But with that comes you know the responsibility of running a business and doing. You know, not just the writing the software part, which in some ways is the easy bit, uh, but it's the, you know, promotion and support and marketing and, and yeah. legal and all, all the things that, that come come with running your own business. And, you know, I, I should say that my wife handles an awful lot of stuff, like basically anything that involves paper or money. Um, and I do the, the sort of the the development and support and the marketing side of stuff but so it's not just me but it's a team uh, effort 
It's a team effort, exactly. So what does a typical day's development sort of look like for you these days? I mean, it depends where you are in the year, really, because my year is usually the busy period is from whenever WWDC happens to like around now. And that all that time is generally spent, you know, adopting whatever new technologies or features that Apple have come out with, making sure everything is working on the new operating systems, you know, supporting completely new processes, things, things along those lines. Um, and then from, and then I usually take a break and I usually have a, a holiday somewhere, which is not happening this year, obviously. Yep. Um, but, uh, then from January through to June is my time to sort of work on features for myself kind of thing. Well, things that I wanted to do, you know, more long-term stuff like, you know, lower level changes and refactoring and things like that. Right. Uh, and so, you know, it, w- what my day could be, could be, you know, I, sp- I spend the day sitting on the sofa uh, going through emails and, and dealing with that. Or it could be I spend 16 hours hunched over a computer, you know, writing code. And it can vary uh, wildly on a day to day basis. I try and have some structure to my day, you know, like and to my week. So do a, a sort of effectively a nine to five or usually more like 10 to six um, each day and have the weekends off. But because it's your business, you know, it sort of bleeds in everywhere. And I'll be answering emails at any time of the day uh, on and at the weekends and things. And, you know, you're always on Twitter or you're doing something or, yeah. Uh, and, and especially over the last year, you know, things have been, uh, in, while we've been in the grip of pandemic, it's been extra odd. And, you know, what, what days are what anymore? Yeah. The, the dividing lines have certainly gone for, for a lot of people, I think, between work and, and everything else. I mean, we've had 20 years practice at working from home. And, you know, we know that we can both be in each other's uh, company for 24 hours a day, seven days a week and haven't as yet murdered each other. So <laughs> that was a huge advantage, I think, that we have over other people um, that we've been doing this so long. Uh, so there's a lot of people who are now been working from home and, you know, we don't have kids. So that's another easy thing. And, yeah. you know, so we, we, we were very lucky uh, in in how we dealt with things. Plus, I mean, our, our work is, you know, digital. So, you know, it's not based on like meeting the public or uh, running premises somewhere. Uh, so yeah, uh, very lucky choices made twenty years ago. Uh, but that, that's that's where we are. So I think I know the answer to this. But do you put Easter eggs into your apps, James? Um, I think I have somewhat of a reputation for that. <laughs> um, I've even given a talk on the internet about it, um, which I will send you a link to. Uh, Yes, I do. Uh, And this comes from a couple of things. When I was first using the Mac, I would find all the little silly things that people had put into, you know, like System 7 and stuff like that. So you could get like 
a scrolling list of credits in the Finder that listed like all these people going back to the Lisa days that had worked on the Finder. I do remember that. It was awesome the, the first time you sort of uncover it. Yeah, and uh, I, I always wanted to get my name into that window. Uh, and that was like my singular goal. Um, and indeed, I did end up working on the Finder. Um, and I ended up being the person who was making the secret about box uh, on the Finder. And I added my name to the list. And uh, <laughs> a week later, Steve Jobs uh, ordered that all credits and Easter eggs be removed from the operating system. And so it Hello. never shipped. Uh, and that was kind of like the the inciting incident, if you will, into why I have ridiculous uh, bout screens and Easter eggs and things in my software, because I was denied at a formative age. And uh, <laughs> and I actually, uh, well, A, for a while, the find a secret about box lived in drag thing. Uh, and also in the talks I did uh, a couple of years ago, um, the... Uh, I got the full credits of the everyone who had worked on the Finder up to that point and ran them at the end of the talk as as a kind of like here is the list of all the people that worked on it that have been denied their credit. Um, and so that's like a, an Easter egg in its own right in your talk. That's, yes, it's quite meta. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I I kind of I think that uh, people should actually get credited for the work that they do and i know it's difficult to credit everyone on some things like you know if you look at a film and it's got uh 10 minutes of credits at the end and it's still probably not credited half the people in the visual effects department who worked on things or whatever it is um but it's still important to do and uh i think the reason that apple removed them all uh was they gave the reason, or Steve gave the reason, that uh, everybody wasn't getting credit. So, you know, down to the people who clean the offices and things like that, they, they were yeah. equally as important to the running of Apple than, you know, everybody else. And why should it just be certain developers and not even all of the developers who made it into these things? Which I can understand and agree with. But I think the other reason was they were worried that people from other companies would say, oh, I've heard of these people. You know, I can see their names in, in these about screens. Um, uh, I'd quite yeah. like to hire them away from Apple. So It becomes like a shopping list if you're not careful. Yeah. And I think that was that was part of it. I don't think that was ever stated, but, you know, that was that was part of the, the, the rivalry. And uh, so I I think, you know, if you're... If you're doing your own software, of course you put your name in it. But if you're in charge of uh, teams or something at a company, you know, credit all the people that you can because it's just the right thing to do. Fully agree. And I, I think as a user, I really love the discovery with Easter eggs. I think there's a case of sort of like when, when they when they do something that little bit different. You know, I mean, obviously, it, it can be about relaying credits and that side of things but when there's something there's a game or something else buried in there i think just that process of kind of whimsy and discovery is brilliant as well yeah i mean that's what i did in pcalc which starts out like just with a 3d a 3d version of the icon that you can play with and then you can if you tap it it reveals some controls and you can kind of drop things on it and mess with physics 
and then you tap another thing and then a small car appears and then there's like a little stunt course and then it starts like giving you scores and things and then if you start to explore further um there's like a wall that you can basically drive the car through into a city that is uh out the back and you know it just goes from there and it's fantastic it it, it was a. Uh, I, I will say that this was done in 2016, which was an interesting political year for uh, both the UK and the US. And yeah. uh, a lot of people were stressed and a lot of people were looking for some kind of outlet. And that was my outlet. You know, it, it was like just, um, it was something, you know, to, to that I could play with in the evenings uh, to lift my spirits and I would do some. I know it was also, you know, I was learning stuff because I'd never done really 3D programming except back at university, back in the days when we were doing it on uh, Sun Spark stations and it was not exactly interactive at that point. Uh, and so I, I was trying to learn all this 3D stuff because I knew, you know, Apple was focusing more on 3D and even back then there was rumors of AR and, and whatever. Yeah. So I wanted to learn learn things uh and the scene kit apis are really fun to play with you know because I, I just basically went through all the apis and it's like you can get halfway down and it says you know there's an scn vehicle class oh what does that do and it's like oh you can make yeah. vehicles that sounds good let's try that uh and it was what that moment of like i made this little car um and I put a ramp in and I drove the car at the ramp and it hit the ramp and it flew through the air and it was like the best thing I had ever programmed in my entire life. And I was like, this is great. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was, a that was a sort of, um, flight of fancy, uh, which I, I enjoy because every now and again, I get somebody who's been using peak out for years or whatever, who's never looked at the about screen and looks at it and, just finds all this stuff and uh, uh it's it's really nice when when it's like oh, somebody hasn't heard of it at all and just finds it themselves and plays with it so much fun and you know I, i've been using some of the technology that came out of that doing other things uh subsequently yeah so i was going to ask you about that actually you've, you've got another app called dice and, and i think that sort of fed straight into that yeah um so I was, uh, let's get the timeline straight. Last, yeah, it's only like 18 months ago. Um, I started playing D&D &D, uh, online with some friends uh, for a podcast called Total Party Kill from the Incomparable. And uh, one of the people that I was playing with, who's Jason Snell, who uh, used to be editor-in-chief at Macworld, uh, and who I have known for like 25-odd years, uh, he said something like, I'm surprised you haven't made like a dice app or something yet. And I thought, well, that's an interesting idea. Um, I know about 3D stuff, and I've done all these physics-based things. Well, let's try that. Uh, and I gave myself, uh, I think I gave myself a week to do it as a, as an experiment because like I've done a lot of programs like drag thing, made it to 25 years and peacock still going after 28 years and not an awful lot else. 
So I wanted to create something new from scratch and I gave myself a week to do it from hitting new project to shipping it on the store. This was a wildly optimistic um, timeline. Uh, yep. But I managed to do it in two weeks. So I had a working prototype in a week and I shipped something after two weeks. Um, and it, it's actually done quite well. The problem is that I then spent a lot of more time on it uh, beyond uh, the uh, sensible investment of time versus <laughs> reward. Uh, but it, it's become, uh, you know, especially as we were saying in 2020, another year of uh, difficult things. It's been a fun little diversion in, uh, it's my, it's two things. It's my evenings and weekends project, you know, like if I want to sort of relax by doing some code, which I know sounds bad to people. It's like, you should just stop working, James. But, you know, if I, if I have something in my head and I want to try it, you know, uh, I can do that. Uh, but what it also is, is it's what Peacock was when I was working on Drag Thing, is that it's an ex experimental small project. So when I was doing Drag Thing and I wanted to make a Mac OS X version of it, I first made a Mac OS X version of Peacock. Uh, and with this, I made it as a Catalyst app. So it's my experiment to see where Catalyst is as a technology and whether it's suitable for doing something like drag thing further down the line so you know i i can justify it on many levels to myself but uh it's also there because it's fun and, and just like playing with it i think they're all valid reasons and um i can certainly relate you know to, to having uh side projects or smaller projects that are that base where you can just have that freedom to to try new things and to play uh, i think there's an awful lot of value there yeah i mean like with uh with dice I, and i should say i called it dice dice from peak uh, dice by peak i'll get the name correct uh because i couldn't come up with any other like unique name that wasn't already taken on the app store so i did like the apple thing and just put your own sub brand into the product name and then it works um but yeah the um it, it's it's been a it's been a, a a fun thing uh and like i can make it mac os uh 11 only and things like that that i wouldn't do with peak uh because it's you know it's it's a small thing it's not like huge stakes um but people seem to like it and that that's also good because it's now actually a, a generating enough income of its own that it's it's a it's good to have so what's coming next for you and uh, and for TLA over the next year? Well, this is a an open question. Uh, I mean, like right now, I would be a week away from uh, going on vacation and sitting in the sun somewhere and uh, having a think about what I wanted to do for the next uh, year. Um, and right now, I don't know. I, I want to lie down is what I really want to do at this point. Relatable, um, yeah. It's it's a, it's been a a long year for many people, uh, but it's been a particularly long uh, product cycle from Apple. You know, we've only just got the the um, Apple Silicon products out the door, and we had our updates for that and stuff. And we would be way done by this point. Uh, so it's kind of stretched on, and I'm I'm quite tired. 
uh, I mean, I will admit there was an awful lot of Animal Crossing playing at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, it, it was quite hard work towards the end. And I haven't thought really what I want to do. I mean, I've got huge lists of, um, like, for both uh, Peacock and Dice, I've got, like, uh, what people have requested things that i have thought of that would be a bigger longer term features that i would like to do and you know there's no shortage of ideas uh that i have it's really just a, a question of you know figuring out what uh what interests me as as a feature and you know what people are looking for you know what's the most common things that come up and Usually at the start of the year, I'll sort of go through those documents and come up with some, like, uh, you know, a big picture. These are the goals that I would like to do for these apps over the, over the next year. And I have a document that's sitting on my on my desktop, which is like um, something like peak out goals 2019. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're heading into 2021 uh, and I've not really achieved many of the things in that document yet. So uh it's i think that is one of the things for this year is that uh anyone that's beating themselves up about not being super productive and whatever i think should give themselves some slack because it's not been a normal year for anyone and we're still like in middle of it um and uh you know the just dealing with day-to-day life is a, a challenge i think for many people um, it can be a lot and it really can yeah so I, I i think it's perfectly reasonable for you to uh to say what's next might look like a bit of a break actually and just a bit of downtime yeah i and i mean i think that 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 is really certainly i'm, I'm hoping over christmas and new year just to have a, a break and recharge and you know we're not going to be going anywhere but um and just see what comes out of that you know because i think certainly for me i find my creativity is not something that's like a constant quantity it's something that ebbs and flows with the tides and uh once you use up a lot of it it needs to be recharged uh and so sometimes you know my start of the year is quiet or i you know like Two years ago, I, I wrote this talk about Easter eggs, and I spent six weeks making the talk, which was a ridiculous thing to do. You know, again with the this is not a good financial investment, but it was something that was really fun uh, that I enjoyed putting it together and doing the research on like the origins of Easter eggs and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think there's projects, things that you can do like that, where it's you know the, there's a certain amount of. Um, tangential benefit that your business might get from it but it helps you uh or it helps you know make more of a name for yourself and things like that yeah uh, i think they're perfectly valid doing these things so liz is kind of like adjacent activities if i think i describe it as yeah and i mean there's also like um do other things you know like go outside once in a while and uh I've I've discovered in the last uh, few months that I have become one of those people that goes to the parks and feeds the squirrels, uh, and you know it's something that I enjoyed as a child, and I have now discovered why you used to see you know lots of old people in the park feeding 
various animals because it's actually quite fun. Yeah. Uh, and it's relaxing and it's a break. Um, but it, it does make me feel that I am perhaps slightly older than I am. Having fun is important, however you however you do it. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it's not like I, like my, one of my main hobbies was going to the cinema. Well, can't do that right now. Uh, and yeah, so yeah, take your fun where you can get it. Really, it's been awesome talking to you, James. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you very much for for having me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's uh, it's always nice to just talk to people yeah. because we don't see that many people face to face at the moment uh, whereabouts can people find you online uh probably the best place to find me even though it is a hell site is twitter and i am james thompson on twitter and that's thompson without a p uh and peakout.com is where you can find both peakout calculator and dice by peakout my decidedly not serious uh D and D dice program, and yeah, there's TLA dot systems. There's a company thing, but uh, there's not really much excitement there. And uh, uh, yeah, I think that's the best places. Awesome. We'll link those all up in the show notes. Uh, thanks a lot, James. Oh, thank you again. <laughs> <laughs>